to the ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 it reads I'm reading to you out of the New Living Translation it reads so let us stop I could just stop right there praise God let us stop you know what that's man sometimes you got to know when to stop good Lord help me Jesus Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Sometimes it says, let us go on. Sometimes you got to know when to keep moving. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. See, the writer here says you can either... you can move on let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God you don't need further instruction about baptisms notice the plurality there the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and so God willing in other words if God permits we will move forward to further understanding. Now, I want to read to you out of Genesis 5, 21 through 24. I want to read out of the New King James. Genesis 5, 21, when you got it, say, I got it. Praise God. Let me hurry up. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah how many of you have heard that saying he's as old as Methuselah okay praise God only three of y'all alright that's alright after he begot Methuselah Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters so all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him I want to preach this thought this afternoon. Let us go on. Let us go on. Look at your neighbor. Tell him the time is now to go on. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We bless you. We declare in the name of Jesus. You're having your way. Pour out your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Anoint me with the type of anointing to preach and to teach your word with effectiveness. Lord God, let chains be broken and help us in our understanding. Free us, O Lord God, from the place that tries to paralyze what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, one of the things that I I want to just proclaim and declare is, uh, I and I believe God is building it here at Extraordinary Church, but not only are we a place that is full of faith, but I want us to be a church that is an engaging church with the preaching. I'll preach over here, praise God. I'll 
If you want to engage me, I thank you so much. I want us not only to engage the presence of God, but I want you to know that the engagement doesn't stop when we offer our worship unto the Lord. We're no longer singing songs. We still can engage with the presence of God because we're engaging with the word of God. I didn't realize you could have given me a... Instead of... Praise y'all, fellas, y'all could have tapped me on my shoulder and be like, hey, bro, we need to get by, big head, praise God. But I want us to engage with the word of God. I want us to come into agreement with the word of God and what God is doing. Norman uh, Peel, he loved to preach and he said, it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Ross Perot, a presidential nominee in the 80s, uh, a hopeful, if you will. He didn't get a lot of traction, but he said, most people quit on the one yard line. They give up at the last minute of the game, one foot from a winning touchdown. Perhaps that's where somebody is today, torn between not quitting and quitting, in the throes of starting and stopping. To you, I preach today. I preach the word of the Lord. Let us go on. If you're in this house and perhaps like Elijah, your faith is tossed to and fro, you are told to pray, but you wonder if you've even got another prayer. Your worship is hollow and perhaps your spiritual sensitivity is numb. Here is a word from the Lord. Let us go on. If there's someone in this place today who struggles with rejection, you don't sense the love of Christ in your life and your thoughts are spiraling inward, downward, and perhaps even out of control. A word from the Lord. Let us go on. Maybe you feel like an old dog faced with new tricks. Your creativity fountain has dried up. Your Your inspiration has reached its expiration date. Here is a word from the Lord. Let us go on. The writer of Hebrews, who most will deduce that could be Paul, he says, and so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. There is an untimely resolution. It is not the resolution of the beginning. It is not just the resolution of the one who just started the race. It is not the resolve of a person who just exited the starting blocks. This is a late resolution. This is what I call somebody who was already well into the throes of life and in this race. And they understand that it is in need of a mid-course correction. So let me personalize it a bit for you. Let me, let, let me lift somebody from the scripture who made some changes in their life. I want to show you Genesis 5.21 one more time. It reads, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. I'm trying not to preach this thing. I'm going to teach it. But did you notice that Methuselah had sons? You'll be more productive in your life with God. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In other words, Enoch exemplified this truth that I'm teaching to you today. It is possible to change. 
Even when others say it's too late, I want you to know that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's never too late for somebody to change. It's never too late for things to turn around. Why? Enoch did it at 65. You might be 65 today or you might be 33 or you might be 15. I want you to know, talking about 15, shout out to my man, just turned 15 today, Lenny. Praise God. But you know what? It's never too late to change. We need to understand that no matter how bleak your circumstances may be, it can turn around for you. And I'm here to declare today for somebody that it is not too late. You're going to move forward. Let us go on and watch what God will say about the matter. Enoch made this change. And the writer of the book of Hebrews is, it's, we're not certain if it's a Pauline epistle or not. It was more than likely written after the destruction of Jerusalem, which took place in 70 AD. But most people will tell you, most theologians will conclude that it is indeed a Pauline epistle. And here are some of the things, the tone, the tenor of what you will read in Hebrews. It is a letter of spiritual crises. Crises can reveal the good and bad in us. Its writer compares his day to what Israel faced at Kadesh Barnea. There, Israel received the report from the spies, the report of the promised land. For those of you all who have been walking with God for a little bit, you might recall this story. They go over and they send 12 spies and they come back with wonderful reports of opportunity, abundance, riches, Oh, milk and honey and giants. See, like Paul's open door, it had many adversaries. Like Rebecca's promised children, two ideas struggling on the inside. Opportunity and adversity. Faith, fear, acceptance, rejection. The message of Hebrews is a blending of two dominant notes. The first note is a note of warning. Ten times for those who like the King James. It reads lest. Ten times it says, I'll read it to you out of the New Living because I want you to get it. But it says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. Hebrews 3.12, listen to these warnings. Be careful. You ever had your children? Be, be careful. Be careful. Dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. How many of you know what I'm talking about when you're, you're driving and, and you're going too fast? Praise God. Praise God. We got some people and I know they and you get and, and then you see these flashing lights. Y'all, y'all don't realize how blessed y'all are. See, I there is I don't cross a threshold on the speedometer for a reason. Because in the States, you know, there's 370 million people. And so the ratio to police officers is different. I can go here and draw. I'll be like, I, I could go for a week and not see a police car. And y'all drive like it too. 
but cross the border, you ain't, you ain't going to go two miles. And Popo be sitting right in the middle of the highway waiting for you. But boy, we be zooming. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I think I'm doing something. I'm like, I'm going 115. And I'm, I'm see, somebody there was like miles ago. No, it's kilometers. It's kilometers. I'm like, if I, I think I'm doing something. I'm like, when I'm, I'm, I'm like, and I'm like, look at these people zooming by me. I'm like, how fast are they going? Anyway, and you know what happens when you get pulled over. Woo! You're like, Lord. And think about how encouraged you are when the police officer says, I'm going to let you go with a warning. We got some police officers in there now. They're like, no, no, no. They were smiling. They were like, we was giving them tickets. We was giving them tickets. Praise God. No, no, no. no. A warning. You're like, oh, thank you, officer. Isn't it amazing how it just brightened up your day? You're like, oh, yes, have a God bless you. The Lord is with you. Yes, you just, you encourage, you, en- you encourage with that warning. You know what? That's how we ought to receive these warnings. We ought to receive this. Wow, yes, I need to be careful making sure my heart is not evil and unbelieving because it'll turn me away. Thank you, Lord, for this warning. Let me listen very carefully to the truth that we've heard. Or we may drift away. Thank you. For that warning, it makes us take inventory. It would be reckless of us if some of you all do this. I ain't throwing no shade, but I'm just saying it is kind of brazen. If the police officer lets you off with a warning, nobody puts the car and drives like, floors it. No, you, you, you ease into it. You're looking around and you're like, whew, thank you, Jesus. You know why? Because we need these warnings. It makes us take inventory. What the Lord wants to do with us, for us to move on, we've got to be willing to take inventory. Any growing person has to be willing to take inventory. Honestly. Thank you. So, listen to this. But just as we need warnings, we also need encouragement. There are a number of times, as a matter of fact, on 12 occasions, the writer of Hebrews says, let us. This is encouraging. Watch this, Hebrews 4.16. You'll know this. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold tightly. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. For every 10 warnings, there's 12 accolades or affirmations. For every five admonitions, there's six encouragements. Thank God for the people who have warned us. But thank God for the people who have given us vital words of counsel. And thank God for the people who have encouraged us along the way. We need the lest and we need the let us. We need the warnings and we need the encouragements. I don't know about you, but we need them both. Praise God. 
And in this instance, the writer of Hebrews, he invites us to move forward. He says, leave the elementary teachings of Christ and go on to maturation, go on to perfection. Can I just tell you right now, I, can, I can't literally set somebody free, but can I just tell you there's no obstacle in your way from preventing you other than yourself from going on to maturity. That's good news. Because that means that you have the ability to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's good news because you have the opportunity. There's nobody or no thing stopping you. Doesn't mean you won't run into resistance. But you can literally say by faith, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and move forward into what God has for me. He says, leave the elementary teachings of Christ. These elementary teachings, and I'm going to hurry here, but the repentance from did works. Did works is a euphemism in scripture. It's idolatry. Repentance is turning away from worshiping dead things. Faith toward God. Repentance turns a person from dead things and turns them to God who is alive, a living God. Then it talks about baptisms, right? Baptisms. And in this case, it, we often, in, in today's terminology, we refer to it as the new birth. But it was the Holy Spirit baptism and it was the water baptism in Jesus' name. Peter, or Peter, if he, or Paul, if he wrote this, is saying, you know what? There are baptisms, a baptism of the Spirit and a baptism of water. Jesus told John this, uh, in, or Nicodemus this in John chapter 3. There's the laying on of hands, and this refers to uh, an impartation of gifts, the acceptance of fellowship into the assembly, right? And then, of course, healings and miracles. Then there's the resurrection of the dead. That, by the way, is our blessed hope. As Christ was raised from the dead in that great getting up morning, fare thee well, fare thee well. I know some of y'all too young, y'all don't know about that. But just, Paul said, as we are dead in Christ, resurrection, we're going to rise again. And then the eternal judgment. We will face our judge. And we will spend eternity somewhere. These are elementary teachings. Okay. Done a whole series on it. You can watch it on YouTube. As powerful as these elementary teachings are, they don't go far enough. As crucial as they are, that's not all there is. These are the foundation, praise God. As a building, listen, the foundation isn't good enough. Now, the foundation's got to be appropriate. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we must, a building must leave its foundation to reach its potential. So we have to rise from these teachings into what God has for us. So Hebrews, he says this, let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So my question today is, what about you and I? Will we join with others and make a mid-course correction in our life? Will you make the journey from emptiness to fulfillment? Enoch decided to make that journey. So can we. So what to do when you feel like giving up? One of the fastest professions 
you see it all over Instagram and TikTok and people sharing. It is a life coach. People who help others to kind of sort through their lives and to stay motivated and focused on their goals. I, I, I like that. I mean, you know what? I've done a little bit of coaching and encouragement, if you will. And, but I read something that a life coach said, and I, I want to share it with you. Seven great things when you feel like giving up. You ready for the first one? Change your approach. Get a biblical point of view. Sometimes you got to change things up. Let me just put this out there. If you do the same thing and expect different results, it is insanity. You got to mix it up. Praise God. You got to do things differently. You got to posture yourself differently. You got to think differently. You got to change your approach. Next thing you can do is you need to step away from the situation. Perspective is so important. Sometimes, hear me, proximity can distort your perspective. You can be so close to something. I can't see any of you all. Can't. Let me just back up a little bit. Now, I can see Mia. I can see, I can see this. I can see Pastor Barry. I can see Andy. I can see Patricia. I can see Cody. I can see Craig. I can see Summer Brian. There he is. Praise God. Notice how your perspective changes. You've got to watch. We've got to watch our proximity to something. Step away from the situation. Get some perspective. Here's the third thing you can do. Be still. Learn the art of patience. That's what we say. But the Lord wants to know. See, we live in a world today of instant gratification. We get frustrated. Like, we're accustomed for those, whatever. We can be downloading a file, a movie, some, and it's like, you ever, all right, I'll give you an example. Lincoln and I are watching uh, We Like LeBron James. LeBron James. We're watching, yeah, and we were watching uh, them play uh, last night. They won, and uh, as we were watching it, the, the, uh, we, want, we wanted to catch the, the trophy presentation, and uh, the, it, like, timed out for, like, three seconds. And we're like, oh, my goodness! You would have thought World War III was happening. And that's how we respond. We're accustomed to that. It's like we get, you get order, like you, you order Uber Eats or skip the dishes or whatever. And you, you're like, 15 minutes? I could have cooked the food myself. This is the world we live in. But you and I have to learn the art of waiting. You know what else waiting will do? When you're still, it'll cause you to quiet your mind. Could it be that some of us are so uncomfortable with waiting that we don't want to have to confront our own faults? And have to deal with the, the, the urgent but subtle realities that perhaps our thoughts are unbridled and out of control. Fourth thing you got to do. I got to hurry up because I got a lot of stuff I want to tell you today. Keep your enthusiasm. 
Don't let anybody steal your joy. This joy that we have, the world didn't give it, and the world didn't, the world can't take it. Don't you let somebody steal your joy. Keep your enthusiasm, keep your fervor, keep your zeal for God, for the things of God, for the people of God. Don't allow things to distract you. Don't allow circumstances to dictate your passion and your love for God. Keep your enthusiasm. Pray that the Lord fan that flame of fire and stoke that flame so that you can love him with all that you have. Let him burn within you. Number five, Marie says, Use your imagination. The man who has no imagination has no wings. I quote Muhammad Ali with that. That's so true. Can I tell you? Faith and imagination go hand in hand. When you can begin to get an image of what God wants to begin to do and you can begin to connect to it, it can activate something in your life. Let me just keep moving on. You need to write out your dreams or goals. You know what this does? This breathes life into your ideas. And then lastly, faith. The greatest motivator of all time, believing that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Now, you might be thinking, that's cool, that's cool. I don't know what, com what combination of these words Enoch used, but when life handed Enoch a bad situation, he didn't give up. He changed. He went on into what God had for him. I'm here to encourage somebody today. The Bible divides Enoch's life into two parts. Watch this. The first 65 years and the last 300 years. The first 65 years, Enoch did not live up to the meaning of his name, which was dedicated. He was surrounded in a sinful, wicked world, and Enoch gave in. He flowed with the tide. He didn't buck the system. In a go-along-to-get-along mode, Enoch had resigned and had given up. Then it happened. An event so profound that it completely altered his life. It changed the next 300 years of his life. It changed his legacy. What was this? It was an encounter with God. Can I tell you, one encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ changes everything. He will turn your life around. You can come in one way and you'll leave another. God can change the trajectory of your future. He can change the trajectory of your legacy. God can give you purpose and meaning and life more abundantly. He can turn your world upside down for the good. You might be walking one way, but honey, when you come in contact with him, he changes everything. And near the end, this is crazy. I want you to catch this was an encounter with God. Near the end of the Bible, there's a book that gives us a little bit of insight into this man who lived in the beginning of the Bible. Jude tells us that Enoch was a prophet. He borrowed from some of his writings. They're not in canonical scripture, but he borrows and he describes the tumultuous times that faced Enoch at this time. And Peter does the same. At the birth of Enoch's son, he had an encounter 
Enoch felt like giving up. Can somebody be honest with yourself? Somebody's been there before. You felt like giving up and throwing in the towel. Thank God that you kept going on. If you're there right now, I've got encouragement for you. Stick with me. He felt like giving up, but God gave him the strength to alter his direction completely. So what I want to tell you, when you feel like giving up, seek an encounter with God. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. You're only one hallelujah away. You're only one thank you Jesus away. You're only one prayer away. When you get into his presence, the proximity of that will change everything. And you'll realize if it got to you, it had to go through him. You'll understand that it will work together for your good. You'll know that that thing was not meant to destroy you, but to prepare you. Seek an encounter with God because everything changes in the light of his glory and his grace. Seek an encounter with God. Don't be satisfied. Don't be satiated. Understand that you have to have him seek him with all your heart while he may be found and watch him move in your life you know what's interesting you have two types of people Whew. catch me and Ryan after I work him out he used to work me out now I can work him out praise God no, I don't get him fired up see let me get him, get him fired up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, catch us after a workout. Catch the men when we went to the boxing gym. That's right. Pastor Barry was there, praise God. I look, Pastor Barry. Was, and they say, I know Pastor Barry was in the back. <laughs> it's all good, sir. It's all good. <laughs> but you know, catch us then. Man, with a, catch us then with a nice, cool, tall glass of water. Man, we're looking forward to that water, ready to drink that water. Catch somebody that just walks in the gym and hasn't begun to work out yet. Offer them a glass of water. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Same glass of water. Two different With two different appetites. What are you thirsty for? I love what Patricia said. She said, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. What are you thirsty for? See, I'm talking about seeking him with thirst, seeking him with hunger. I'm not talking about, Lord, I need... Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about focusing in where everybody else fades away and, and the criticism, and the judgmentalisms and the stresses and the worries they begin to fade away and you begin to lock in on the most important thing there's a hunger down on the inside that says I've got to have you Jesus. I'm thirsty for you I need that living water. Did he not say he who thirsts let him come after me I'm telling you we serve a God who responds to thirst we serve a God who responds to hunger. Yes, he'll show up, but he shows up differently. That's why we can be looking, and you can be looking at somebody right next to you being moved so dramatically. Why? They're thirsty. 
Oh, is there anybody thirsty for a move of God? Thirsty for something that shakes you? Thirsty for something that transforms you? Thirsty for something that will get you out of your comfort zone? Renew your mind, transform you? Thirsty that will wash you and cleanse you? Thirsty that will give you new life? There's a thirst. There's a hunger. Moses found him on Mount Sinai. Jonah found him beneath the shade of a gourd. Hagar found him beneath a shrub in the desert. What am I telling you? When you feel like giving up, seek God with all of your heart. What changed Enoch? He had face-to-face time with God. And God opened up the future to this man. And what he saw forever changed him. When God wanted, what God wanted preserved Enoch's prophecies are found in the writings of Jude and Peter. There is this extent writing purported to be Enoch that describes what this man saw at 65 years of age. I quote, all the earth shall perish. The waters of a deluge shall come over the whole earth and all things which are in it shall be destroyed. This encounter changed Enoch. Gone were the days of living for himself. Gone were the days of burning hours on the clock. He changed his ways because something changed within him. Listen to Scott Mabry, University of North Carolina anthropologist who spent 25 years in France looking for the remnants of an ancient civilization. You know what? He read an article of an Italian man who used Google Earth to find the ruins of an ancient castle on his property. Mabry decided to apply the same approach to his research. He said that in five hours on Google Earth, he found more archaeological sites than he had in 25 years of walking and digging. What am I telling you? One trip into the heavens can solve a lot of problems on this earth. One encounter with God can bring you resolution. One encounter with God can bring you peace. One encounter with God can bring you hope and purpose. Enoch had an encounter with God. Enoch modified his behavior because when you come in contact with the holy God, he changes who you are. Are you perfect? No, but he's doing a work in you where you're not recognizable to who you were the day before or the week before. So my question is, how do we modify our behavior. Life coaches say that goals must be set. But the moment a goal is set, you all know what you do. What, what do we do? The moment you set a goal, your mind kicks in with limiting beliefs. Oh, I'm going to get a new car. Uh, probably won't get a raise. I'm going to pray an hour a day. I can't do that. I don't have enough time on my schedule. I'm going to make some new friends. My old ones don't like me as it is. Neither will the new. Joyce thought that was funny. Praise God. She know my story. Praise God. I thought everybody liked me. I find that to trust me. I find that not to be true. These limiting beliefs are what we consider to be truth. These are the things we tell ourselves over and over. It will never work for me. No one likes me. I'll never get ahead. My life will never change. I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. Everything I do turns out wrong. You either got it or you don't, and I don't. 
Whether true or not, the more you tell yourself this, the more you speak that over your life and into existence. But faith knocks the knots out of the cannots and says, let me tell you why it is possible. It's possible for me to change because everything God makes can change. Seasons change. Tadpoles become bullfrogs. Caterpillars become butterflies. It's possible for God to radically modify your life. It's possible for you to change because the word of God says you can. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. The Bible says nothing is impossible without God. Patricia, we're all in my notes today. I trust his word more than I trust my own thoughts. It's possible for me to change. Why? Because others have changed. I've seen alcoholics run and never go back. I've seen drug addicts drop their crack pipes and never go back. I've seen adulterers become faithful, liars become truthful, and cheaters become honest. I've seen the depressed grow joyful and the oppressed go free. I've watched cold hearts melt and watched people become warm and loving. I've watched the cruel grow kind and the angry grow contented. And God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for them, he can do it for us. So what am I telling you? Turn off the tape that's playing in your head. You know the one with the Mission Impossible soundtrack. And change the soundtrack to all things are possible. Believe and he'll work a change on the inside of you. Believe and he'll work a change on the outside of you. Believe and God will radically alter your life. Enoch had an encounter with God. He saw things he hadn't seen. He heard things he hadn't heard, and he believed. Yet, that wasn't enough. Enoch needed constant reinforcement of what he'd seen. You know what he saw? He saw the end of the world, fam. He saw an unimaginable deluge, a flood that covered the earth. And his son was born. So he named him Methuselah, meaning when he dies, it shall come. Words have power. I've told you before, when you want to operate in the spirit, use your faith and your words. Mark Twain said this. He was born when Halley's Comet passed in 1835. In his biography, he said that he came in with Halley's Comet. And he intended to leave with Haley's Comet. And he did. His passing came with the appearance of that great comet. Enoch stood over the cradle of a newborn boy and said, when he dies, it shall come. And that is exactly how it happened. When Methuselah died at 969 years of age, the flood came. But during the second phase of Enoch's life, Methuselah became a living reminder of an encounter that Enoch had with God. Can I tell you, an encounter with God keeps us from giving up. So, how do you keep the change? How do you keep the change? There's only one way to keep the change. Forward motion. You cannot keep the change 
right here. At some point, you have to move forward. At some point, you have to go on. What am I telling you? Don't settle where you are. Keep moving forward. There is more that God has for you. There is more that God has for your family. There's more that God has for your marriage. There's more that God has for your ministry. God is calling you. Don't be content where you are. I'm not talking about a position. What I'm talking about is knowing him. And the more you pursue him, he'll bring you into your destiny. Let us go on to perfection. Let us go on from the elementary things. Some of us have got routine down. I'm telling you, move beyond that into what God is calling us because he doesn't want us to stay here. He's got more for us. So the Greek word for perfection, it means this. Completion or maturity. Jesus is the author and finisher or perfecter. He authors the elementary principles. He perfects what he began in our life. And for this to happen, we must go on to perfection. I'm going to give you four ways in which we go on to perfection. And we're going to move. First, you got to be perfect in four ways. First, doing the will of God. Doing the will of God, Colossians 4.12. I don't have time to unpack it. Next thing you want to do is discern between good and evil now don't ask your heart what's good and evil don't ask your feelings because your feelings are not intended you shouldn't let your feelings inform you they're feelings they're not truth but we let them inform us so if you want to know how to discern between good and evil let the word help you the third thing you want to do is become a giver and a follower and then lastly you want to love others let me just make it simple you love God you love people walk with him be full of faith be full of the Holy Ghost forgive this is it Enoch illustrated all of this Enoch walked with God and the writer of Hebrews tells us this pleased God. Can I tell you when you walk with him, it pleases him. So what am I telling you? Keep walking. Don't stop walking. Keep going forward. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Don't turn to the side. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Some of us... I this is, the, the, this is what got me stirred. I heard somebody say this, and it really resonated with me. They said, you know what? They said, uh, walkers stumble, runners fall. And I thought, that's true. You cannot get in a hurry with what God wants to do. I completely understand that there is a time and a space to run. There are times for that. Short bursts of intensity and focus. It also is indicative of a posture of trying to achieve something quickly and aggressive with ambition and energy to reach something quickly. However, the faster pace also implies a higher risk. Walkers, on the other hand, represent a more measured, cautious approach. Steady, consistent, and often safer Stumbling in this context might refer to a minor setback. 
you'll have them, but when you fall, you've ever seen somebody running and they fall, you're like, ooh. Their face ate all that ground. But you see people that stumble, they can get their hands out in front of them and kind of catch themselves a little bit. So what am I telling you right now? I'm not encouraging you to run. I'm encouraging you to walk. Why? Because I want you to have endurance. I want you to have longevity. You're in this for the long haul. You're not in this just for a short burst and you're going to fade out. No, you're going to be in this next year. You're going to be in this by the turn of the decade. The hand of the Lord is on you. You're going to be in this so long that it's going to shape your future spouse and it's going to shape your children and your children's children. There's something that God is doing on the inside of you that if you'll just walk this thing out and understand what he's doing and walk by faith, the latter shall be greater. Enoch walked one day. One day became two. A year passed. A decade passed. A century passed. 300 years he walked with God. Why don't we stand? Our musicians can come. While the world grew more wicked, wicked, excuse me, Enoch walked. While the world grew darker, Enoch kept walking to a brighter day. While the world grew colder, Enoch's heart grew warmer. He kept walking. He kept walking. He kept walking. He refused to stop. One day after another, he kept walking. Some can be impressed with the overnight one. Those people who show up with glitz, fanfare. Those people who shake, rattle. Thank you, Pastor Barry. Y'all acting like y'all don't know that. But when time passes, they fall by the wayside. The reward is for those who keep walking. Walk on. Look at your neighbor and tell them, keep walking. Walk on through the wind. Walk on through the rain. Though your dreams may be tossed and blown, walk on, walk on. Walk on with hope in your heart, and you'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. Can I tell you, Israel, leave Kadesh Barnea. Go into the fulfillment of your promise. You're not alone. A glory, guy, a cl a glory cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God is with you. Enoch never walked alone. He walked with God. What a difference when you're walking with him. What a difference when you're talking with him. What a difference when he's involved in everything in your life. Can I tell you, you're never alone. Never alone. For he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be there with you. So, it began with an encounter. We obeyed the elementary principles of Christ. We repented and believed. Many of you have been baptized in water in Jesus' name and many have been baptized in the spirit 
For those who have it, it will happen. You've gotten involved. You've joined a church family. We have the hope of the resurrection inside our hearts. We look forward to that day. But the course correction, Pastor B, Isabella, has to take place. We can't stop there. We got to walk this thing out. We got to walk it out. Enoch's walk lasted 300 years. But after 300 years of walking, when Methuselah was 300 years old, the Bible says Enoch was not, for God took him. My question to you this afternoon is how is your walk with God coming? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.